We have a special guest. It is Dr. Paul Peterson, who is the superintendent of District 77, Mankato Area Public Schools. And he has brought a guest with him today, and that is the the uh, chair of the school board for the district, Shannon Sinning. Good morning. Hey, it's great to see you again, Karen. Thanks for having us back. It's always yeah. great to have you on. It's been a while. We skipped the holidays because, well, you know, it was just kind of busy. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so it's been a couple months, but uh, now we're back to talk all things schools and all things community. So, again, thank you. Right, yeah. and Shannon, we, I don't know that I've had you on before, have I? I don't think so. No, I'm a rookie. It's my first time. <laughs> Show you, me the way. You've been on the radio before, haven't you? I have. Yep. Okay. Well, Usually they don't ask me back, though. You know, it's just a one-time deal. <laughs> well, Paul drug, <laughs> drug you in here this morning, so, well, we'll blame him. There so, you well, go. it's great to see both of you, and I know you guys have had a lot of things going on with schools, and, uh, you know, after the break, things are, the, the start of the semester was Monday? Yeah, well, Tuesday, yeah. Or Tuesday, just yeah, yesterday. Tuesday, yeah, because my son had to leave early, man. You know, East won the... Uh, the downhill ski, alpine yes. ski for the boys out at uh, Welch Village last night because my son's one of them. So that was pretty exciting <laughs> stuff. And so let's talk about what what's going on. So uh, it's it's really interesting. So um, again, thanks for having us. So we're we're two days into the second semester. I was meeting with district leaders just a couple of days ago as we were preparing because Monday was a grading day and it was a transition day, and talking with district leaders about. Um, just the my background in schools was in high school. So I was a high school social studies teacher, et cetera, right. and a principal. And so I asked our all of our district leaders, about fifty people, to talk to or to be thinking about what are what's their mindset as the second semester starts, and and what's the mindset of their staff as they welcome everyone back. This would have been yesterday, and I got into a small group of elementary principals. Okay, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, Paul, that's not how elementary people think." Like. Tomorrow is just Tuesday. Oh. Like, like the idea like that it's third quarter or oh, right. second semester. Or that it's some special event or something. Yeah. yeah. They're like, no, the the big <laughs> the big one for us is the hundredth day of school. Oh. Oh yeah. You know, which comes like in February ish. Um now why is the hundredth day so important? Well, I mean it's it's a hundred it's because it's a hundred. I mean, you're <laughs> <laughs> I have a kindergartner at Washington, and he talks about it a lot. Really? To so he knows close. about that too. Oh huh? yeah, they must talk about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I that was good learning for me that, you know, in in my high school brain, I was like, okay, everybody's tracking with the fact that we're halfway through the school year, third quarter, and and you and then of course high school's mindset is, do we have enough uh, credits? Are we going to make it to enough for graduation? And you know, all those things you have to like. My, those... Yeah, my classes are changing. Yeah. I'm going to have new teachers. Little no. kids are like, I still go to see Miss Smith, and she's great, and blah blah blah. That's right, yeah. But no, it's exciting. I mean, it's after the break, and we've had a couple short weeks um, with MLK Junior, and then we had um, the teacher teacher grading day and the prep day on Monday. So now, but now we're in kind we're kind of into a longer stretch of some really prime teaching and learning days, and I I know that our people, our staff, our principals are really charged up. Um, for that um, to just get kids back into that routine and um, and a lot of really really great things happening in our classrooms and also you know with our activities and uh, our teams all right and now Shannon you said you've got a kindergartner who else do you have in school just one or nope uh, the kindergartner is the the very tail end so I have a junior at Mankato East and then I have a, a freshman my daughter is out at California Lutheran University in Thousand Oaks California oh my goodness so, that's yep. a long way away. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, make a, a, we make a point to go visit we've already visited twice I've so, got a junior yeah. at East High School as well. Oh, we were okay. just chatting about him on the Alpine Ski Team. Yeah. So. yeah. And then I have one that graduated who is now a sophomore here in college uh, at um, the University of 
majoring in geology. He's doing well, by the way. And, and Paul and I chat a lot because my son was autistic, and he had to have a lot of supports throughout the school years, and it was really great, this, the one-on-one support he got. So I always we always kind of talk about how important that mm-hmm. piece is. How are other things going in the schools? And Well, I tell you, I think one of the th- – there's a lot of really positive things going. I think at the school board and the school district level, there's been a lot of um, – a lot of activity, a lot, a lot of positive activity, and Shannon can talk a little bit about this as well with our school board authorizing um, all of the things that need to happen post-referendum. Um, you know, one yeah. of the last times we talked, referendum passed, question one, $105 million, and thankfully we were kind of preparing for if, you know, if and when that passed so we could get going on these projects. Um, that takes a lot of logistical work um, by people inside the system, and then the board authorizing bond sales, and and uh, there's just been a lot of positive developments when it comes to rates and um, just how the market looks for to maximize the dollars that we're going to be getting from our um, residents uh, for the projects that we need to do. So, Shannon, yeah. what are some of the things the school board is facing now? Some of the challenges, some of the the big projects that you guys are working on. Well, we you know we're, we've gotten through a lot of good things that we are things we needed to do like the budget reduction we did last year and our budget looks good uh, teacher contracts all the co- union contracts we've knocked those out those are good um, the bond sale like Paul was talking about um, we kind of ended up selling the bonds on one of the perfect days to do it so originally we were thinking we'd have about a 4.6 percent interest rate I believe last fall when we were talking about the referendum we ended up at 3.71. So what that does is over the length of the bond saves taxpayers about $10 million. That's helpful. <laughs> uh, it makes it a lot easier in a few years for, you know, flexibility for future school boards, the community, things they need to do. It deposits more money into the accounts on the front end. So we're, lo- we're going to be looking to invest some of that money at before we, we don't have to pay for all these projects yet because they're just starting. Right. So uh, we'll probably be investing some of that money in some local institutions in Mankato, support the community as we're waiting to pay those bills. Uh, but it just gives us a lot of flexibility to do the things we had on that list for the referendum. Um, going forward, we're in the middle of a stri- strategic plan right now, and I think, you know, the way it's looking now, we've had a lot of meetings, a lot of feedback from, you know, staff, students, parents, uh, school board, administration, community members. Um, it's looking like some really cool changes and things coming up in the spring that we'll be talking about. It's looking that we're heading in a direction where, you know, Paul can talk about this much more than me. I'm I'm in insurance. I'm not an educator, oh. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you look at it, the way we learned. 50 years ago, 70 years ago, some of that's still happening in classrooms. I'm not sure all of that makes sense. So through the strategic plan, I think at the outcome, there'll be some significant changes in the school district of how we teach, how we learn, um, career pathways, those types of things. And I think it'll be a really good thing for Mankato. I want us to be, as the chair, I always say, I want us to be kind of the gold standard in Minnesota. And we're doing a lot of that already. Uh, but I want us to be the district that the other the districts in the state look at uh, to see, wow, I wish we could be like that. And I think we're headed that way very quickly. And I think with these changes, it's even going to be more evident that we're going to have other districts coming to us saying, how are you doing this? Or, you know, how are you getting these things done? So if that's broad enough, Paul could you know elaborate more details if he wants to. Yeah, but. no, I, I think that's a great summary, Shannon. I mean, the, the line that we've, we've used within our district leaders and along with our board is really the, the expectation of our community is that we're preparing kids for their future, not our past. And that's not a line that I came up with, but that's, that's really a, a sense of schools need to be um, institutions that provide kids with experience and joy and hope, but also a level of preparation so that when they exit our system when they graduate, come to an institution like MSU Mankato, South Central College, Gustavus, go uh, into the military, go into the world of work, 
not that they have all of their life figured out, but they have they have the knowledge and they have skills that give them a fighting chance to be successful in that next stage. And so strategic planning, while oftentimes that's seen as kind of a boring, mundane process, this the, the process we've been engaged in has really been centered in on the expectations of the experience for kids and for staff and for families. What do people expect when they come to one of our schools? And trying to theme that into big, big buckets that then helps us develop the more, more specific plans that will shape kind of the exciting programming um, options that we think are going to be coming down the road here pretty, pretty darn soon. Well, I've been a part of strategic planning processes in the past too, and and you know it is. Depends on who you are. To me, it's kind of boring, too, but whatever. But sometimes those plans just get planned and they end up on paper. So yeah. how do you make sure that translates and, and actually happens? Because I don't know if you've ever been a part of that, too, where it's oh, like, well, this sounds great on paper, but then it doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. It sounds great on paper. It gets put in a binder, Looks put it on the great, shelf. but then on the shelf. And then tomorrow's Thursday, so we just kind of keep doing what we're going to do. And that's, that's where I think the change process becomes so difficult because if you ask most people, most people are, are kind of intrigued and interested in change, but <laughs> but they're also really um, embedded in the status quo. Well, right, because you're just—it's like we've always done it this way. Right. You've heard that, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, let's—I'm all for change. You go first. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. And then and then maybe we'll learn from yours, and and then maybe we'll do something. So, I'm really proud that our school board has has really committed itself to the process. But I also know, just because in working with this board now for several several years, um, they will hold the expectations high that what we do put on paper, what does become a vision, mission, core values, and then the way that we will measure ourselves will be part of our evaluation systems, how we're evaluating our schools, how we're evaluating their superintendent um, to affect change that our community, our kids, our parents, our staff are saying that uh, they want. And I was going to comment of how we know what's going to happen is uh, if you know the makeup of our board members, especially some of the newer ones, they're very passionate about these changes. And I think I think most districts realize in the state and the country that change is needed. But I think our district, the difference here is that we understand it's needed. And if you don't do it now, you're going to be looking back in a few years going, why didn't we make the change? Learning has changed. Kids have changed. Jobs have changed. It's the districts that don't take calculated risks and make big, bold moves, I think there, we will probably have some mistakes. We'll probably have some hiccups. Yep. But the and ones you'll that, hear about it, I'm sure. Yeah, the <laughs> ones that don't do it are going to still regret not doing it because everything has changed. I mean, we cannot be doing the same thing over and over again for decades. So I mean, what does this change you talk about? So people are saying, well, what are they talking about? What's this change look like? Well, uh, give you just maybe a couple examples. Examples and, are helpful, and, yeah. And, and Shannon mm-hmm. can expand on those. Um, in today's world, the year 2024 and moving forward, um, if you look at the K-5 model that we have here in Mankato, we have 10 elementary schools. Right. Very, very strong schools, getting good results, loving, loving kids and the families that they serve. The reality, though, is that those schools um, are all um, organized around neighborhoods, which, again, is a high value, high, mm-hmm. it's, it's highly um, valued here in our community. At the same time, there are a lot of, um, choices that people are looking for when it comes to a K-5 experience. And we have pretty traditional K-5 schools. And we anticipate that we will still have traditional schools, but there is an, there is the possibility that we can incorporate more choice into the K-5 experience. 
Um, one cho- we have one choice school, Bridges Community School. It's been around for over 20 years. Right. And that choice started um, because there were interested parents and teachers coming together saying, maybe we can do things a little bit different. Can, can we look at this concept of core knowledge? Can we look at life skills that at that time, a lot of other elementary schools weren't doing? And so it wasn't a neighborhood school, but it was a choice school. These days, whether you call them magnet schools or community schools, whether those are Spanish immersion, STEM schools, outdoor ed schools, we have we we have the great benefit in our system of being a larger district mm-hmm. where we can play around with some of those options, provide parents and kids those choices at K-5. That's a change from how we have done things in the past. And I, and I think through the planning process, what we're hearing from our parents is that um, the neighborhood model is still um, valued, but is there any is is there another option we can have too? And so that that's I think one thing that um, we're looking to do. Shannon probably can talk about the the other example I was going to talk about was career pathways. Go for and, it. And how yeah. and how we organize our high school. Our high school organization. We've been doing career exploration sorts of things for right. many many years, but there are full on high schools these days that are built around. The concept of not that you're putting a kid on a track when they're a ninth grader and they never come off. Well, that's what I was thinking because a lot of times when you're a, even in college, you don't know what specifically you're going to do, so you try different things. So you right. don't want to put them on like in a peg in a, you know. Exactly, but the the school system does have a responsibility to make sure that we are putting things in front of kids that they could very well as a ninth grader say, "Oh wow, I'm I'm really glad I was exposed to that because I'm not interested." Okay. But but what if... But <laughs> My what, child found that out about welding really quickly, by the way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you Not know. for me. Too loud. Too... Yeah. No, so so putting a, a, a kid like that on a welding pathway, um, that's that's going to be irrelevant. Well, but, they thought at the time it would be a good experience, but it just didn't work. Right. So we switched quickly, thankfully, but yeah. But those exact... Th- those same examples yeah. are um, can, are replicated when you look at... The courses we require all of our kids to take, Mm -hmm. all kids take a certain amount of English, social science, math, PE. And I think that we have a great amount of appetite for reconsidering. So what does it take to get a social studies credit? What does a FIED credit need to look like in in the year 2024 and beyond? We know how we've done it traditionally. We know how English classes have been, or social studies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a former social studies class. You took civics, and you took world history, then you took American history, then you took economics. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, and it's not that there's anything bad with those courses, but it the expectation was that everybody, yeah, we did the same, was thing. was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a level of individuality that our kids have as they get older that our current systems, and this isn't unique to Mankato, but current systems don't oftentimes honor that individuality by just um, having such a one-size-fits-all experience. You know, and and having a child in special ed, I can attest to that a lot of times you have to adapt. And these kids, because they're completely different learners, but not everybody has that opportunity. So he got a chance to explore things and Mm -hmm. try different Mm -hmm. ways to do it to fit that because he did have these special needs. But it's almost as if you're saying that other kids are going to have the opportunity to get these, maybe these special, I guess, pathways helped them to figure out how to to go down that way. Yeah, I mean, we've long said that um, oftentimes students are asked to 
to adapt to the their public school system or their right. school system. But what if we turn that around and said, can the system adapt and respond to who's walking in the door? Mm. And so if you have a junior or senior in high school who is absolutely passionate about the East Planetarium, like that is her jam, that she, she is just all in on space and astronomy, et cetera. How can we do more with her than just a class or two? How can we incorporate a, a community experience? How can we incorporate an internship experience that isn't bolted on to the traditional high school? Like, okay, that's great, but you still have to do all this other stuff that everyone else is doing. How can we be more flexible hmm. in how that student generates credit towards graduating with a passion and very likely moving on to something else in that field. I mean, so, colleges are having to, to really, really be more personalized in so many ways, too, and looking at how they deliver education here versus just everybody has to take this class and this class. And, and so it's changing, I think, at all levels. I agree. I've been really impressed. I think that, you know, it's, as I talk with President Inch about the big vision for MSU Mankato um, and the innovation done in community, um, not only attracting students to the university, but how do we then re attract them to stay in Mankato? Mm -hmm. Hopefully a lot of those are graduating with their teacher education degrees and because um, <laughs> yeah, we, right. we want to we want to hire all those folks. So yeah. so that those are the sorts of change things that we're excited about, but we also go into it eyes wide open. There's change, change is hard. It is hard. And slow. I got to ask Shannon, you know, we talk about choice. You said you have a child that goes to California. So you mm -hmm. made a choice to send a child there. Can I ask why or how did that come I didn't about? make the choice. My daughter's name is Chloe. She just, she never wanted to live in Minnesota with the weather. Really? <laughs> she hates the winter. <laughs> so your daughter. Yeah, she was the only, it was oh between gosh. California and Seattle. And she was pretty, pretty, <laughs> she was going to go to Seattle. She really had two schools, yeah, yeah. three schools that really wanted her. We went on a road trip because my wife and I used to live in Los Angeles oh, before we moved back. Oh, so you have a connection. And we went to visit friends last, a Christmas ago, previous to this one. Yeah. And we stopped at California Lutheran because my friend's like, why are you not considering that? And she just fell in love and said, I hope it's not too late to apply. And she got in. And So she must be older, obviously, then. Yeah, Chloe's uh, just turned 19. Okay, so yep, she... So okay. it's her freshman year. So, oh, God, yep, all right. Yep, and her roommate is from Los Angeles. But she didn't do her, her undergrad... You're talking she's doing her college. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I was thinking she was like in nope. high school and she's like going like, no, 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 no. She graduated from East. She graduated from <laughs> Thank East. Thank you. And she Perfect. did a little uh, post-secondary at Gustavus where okay. I went. I'm from Gustavus. Or gotcha. graduated from Gustavus. So All right. Well, then, it was just weather related. And she, she oh, won't come back. It's then. West Coast for her or I or get nothing, that. Yeah. So. Yeah. My son's like, I don't want to get too far from home, mom and dad. So, you know, it just depends on where. Well, so, so as a school board, I mean, you, I'm sure hear from parents saying, well, you know, we used to have the library and I were taking all our books and we used to do this. And, you know, I'm sure you're hearing both sides of the, the story, Shannon. And how mm -hmm. do you take all that in from people saying, I don't want this change. It was fine how we did it way back when. Or, or how do you guys as a school board look at that? Yeah, I guess I haven't heard that much of against the change because we oh, haven't okay. done anything right, yet and changed, been very yeah. public. And I don't know. I mean, I'm a parent of a high schooler and I had one last year who just graduated, too. Sure. And I mean, parents are pretty aware that things have changed a lot. Right. And I think it's surprising when you go in the classroom and you think, now, how much of this do we really need to still be doing and how much could we be changing? It's just like my daughter. I was an accounting major at Gustavus. My daughter's at California Lutheran. She's considering accounting. She's mm -hmm. in a business French minor right now. And some of the stuff they're doing there, I, you know, and I love the place, but I'm like, do they really need to be teaching her that now? I did that when I was a freshman in, you know, 1994, but they're doing exactly the same now in 2024. <laughs> 
does that make sense? Because an employer, when we're hiring people at my agency, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for something more relevant. You know, I, I don't know. I think high schools, middle schools, elementary, universities, they all need to pivot. I, I, we're just not living in the same world. And I think that's, it's just accelerating. I don't see it going, you're not putting it back in the box. Technology is making everything accelerate. But I don't think you're asking them to erase history because I no. th think people would say, uh -uh. we don't want to redo some of the things we've done in the past that have been mistakes. So mm -hmm. you've got to somehow balance that? You do. And the biggest thing I hear from my daughter is that everybody in her class that's trying to get by on, on the minimal thing in her, you know, that's yeah. at college is trying to use AI to do everything for them. Oh. That's the new challenge with professors. Oh. And my daughter does not do that, but she's like, you would be amazed that every kid is like, I'm trying this out, you know, and I've not even used that. But I mean, so think of that when I'm in high school and emails are just coming out, you know, <laughs> you know or whatever, playing Oregon Trail. And now they're using AI to do all their, their essays and, you know, whatever. And it's like, I mean, that's that's not the same thing. So, I mean, we have to pivot and, and reflect the today's world with that. You know, I mean, it's just the thing. I'm I'm learning more with her in college than I ever learned when she was at home. She tells me all these things. And it's oh, like, my wow, son, does, you know? my high schooler does, too, because I'm older than you are even. And so it's been changed a lot different. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're right. So but I mean, it, it is difficult in you know, you mentioned the AI thing. How are you dealing with that in, in schools now? Because that's got to be tough in it in its own right. Well, I think that what what artificial intelligence will do, and I know the university is having these same conversations, oh, yeah. is that it absolutely, um, as that has come onto the field, um, whether people wanted to think differently about education or didn't want to think differently, it's forcing everybody mm -hmm. to think differently about what is worth learning, um, what does learning look like in a world where there are machines and computers that are cranking out content faster um, than humans can actually do? And so it will it will be a completely uphill climb if people are stuck back in the day thinking, well, we'll try to just control AI. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, we have full-on embraced all of the all of the inquiries from staff, but then also across the country of how school districts, um, not just at the classroom level, because our, our classroom team, they're exceptional. The, the people who are innovative and creative in their thinking, they've already figured out how to in, incorporate, not keep it away, but incorporate AI to enhance learning. But it also has implications for so many other things, how you write an IEP, um, um, how uh, different uh, conflicts get uh, resolved, either, you know, staff staff conflicts with each other, sure. um, how school districts budget and, and what the inf like what sort of influence AI can be a helpful tool um, in making projections. So we've we I mean, I we absolutely are on the front like this. The, this is early on, but I think five years from now, heck, five months from now. The, the rate of change is just going to continue to increase. All right. We have just passed the referendum. We're going back to that again because mm -hmm. we've got about five minutes left. And mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, what are people going to see next in terms of changes within the district? We passed this. It was 10.5? 105. Or, I'm sorry. It was more than 10.5. It was 100. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, almost saved 10.5 with our Yeah, that's what that's over there. Okay. So what will we be seeing? What is actually happening? Is there things happening now or will be this year or what? There will be. Yeah. We, we will have shovels in the ground already in April. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that is because of the pre-planning that happened before the referendum. Sure. Um, and that pool up at Dakota Meadows, that's going to start. We're going to have some of our secure entrances get started right away in the spring. Um, what people won't see 
is the remodel of West High School for probably another year plus. Okay. And that, that is simply because of spacing out the projects, sure. the design work that has to happen. Um, and that's a, that is a going to be a massive project. And it's not going to completely remodel West. It's just phase one. Um, but our community said loud and clear, we're not walking away from that building. We, that That is the future of West High School is in that space. And so we're committed to, to um, tuning it up a little bit and making sure that uh, it's it's in a good uh, good position for years to come. So it, it people will start seeing action at our sites. Um, this spring. Uh, yeah, in April. This spring, okay. Yeah, multiple sites. So it'll be exciting. It's, it's going to be a fun couple of years to see all these things happen. Because usually it's at one or two sites. We, what, right. How many sites are, do we yeah, have? How many sites are you working on? 11 or yeah, something? Yeah, over it's, almost it's, yeah, a dozen. Something like that. How it, about the security piece? That we that was one of the big things you, you tried to sell uh, the referendum on is we need the security in our schools for all the different places. Mm-hmm. And what's happening there? Because we've, you know, we keep hearing of these horrible things that happen with school shootings and things, and that's a big concern. We do, right. And so we were very, very grateful to the community who, as we made the case that we could do better, with all of our sites to have safe, secure entrances, welcoming still, of course. Um, and so that will now, at the end of all of these projects, all Mankato Area Public School sites will have um, a secure single point of entry where people will um, will need to sign in, check in, go through the office space. Um, that is, I, I can't imagine our board, our board won't walk away from that top commitment. Is that happening right away then, I it, assume? Yes, it is. Okay. So that's one that's really right. Yep, and the on, the only one that will that will continue to work through the logistics of all that will be at West because oh. that project will be a little bit more on the back end of all of the the list of things that we've got to do. But uh, yeah, the safe, secure entrances top priority, um, front of mind for uh, for our board and our construction yeah. plans. I'd say like fourteen, fifteen months ago when uh, I was first on the board, I got appointed. We had a whiteboard with a list of all the things that, you know, the district had been talking about the last quite a few years because sure. COVID hit right before they were thinking of doing a referendum. Yeah. Um, and then our board really pri- prioritized everything, but safety is the thing, especially as school board chair. I mean, our board members, myself, I mean, if something happened and I didn't do the most we could do, you know, reasonably, which is what this is all about, to prevent that or help with it in some way. I, I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So, it's, and our board mentality is like, what can we do that's reasonable, that is the most we can do to ensure safety? Because I have students that are just like my friends do and mm-hmm. other community members. And so that went right to the top of the list because there are things we could do that were reasonable. You know, sure. um, you can't make, it's not perfect, but you can do what's reasonable and just get those done as quickly as possible. Shannon, so. what has been the most challenging thing being on the school board and also being a school board chair in this uh, district? Um. You know, you <laughs> said you just joined 14, 15 months ago. I'm sure you've learned a lot since then. Yeah, it was interesting. I got appointed in uh, August of 2022. Sure. And so then I got reelected that fall. So I guess the, the biggest learning curve is I was on for about five months and then right away my first year, last January, I was elected chair right away. Sure. And so that... Is a, I've been on a lot of boards, but school board's a little different in the chair role, a uh, little bit more than I actually anticipated, but it's been good. Uh, but it's just like anything else. The main goal for me as school board chair, really one of my top priorities, is getting the other six people I'm elected with, they all have differing viewpoints on lots of things, is getting their voice heard on the things they're passionate about. And so I work really hard. A lot of times my things don't come to the front end at forefront it's the six others i'm trying to represent them well as chair and steer us towards a common vision but they all do have different viewpoints so we try to 
figure out what's most passionate on their side. Why did they run and what are they passionate about? Does that make sense with what all of us are doing? And then we kind of work from that. So, what could the public do to help you in terms of doing your job to make it easier or, or you know, just to, to help provide input? What's the best way to, to maybe get that? Do they talk to Paul? Do they talk to the school board? What do you do? <laughs> the thing that was the most surprising, I guess, is sometimes I'll get a phone call or a text because my phone number is on the website. <laughs> Uh, from yeah, someone yeah. about like, you know, my grandchild is being bullied on the playground today. Oh. And it's like, you know, there, there is a, I mean, that's, I definitely respond to those things, but you know, I think the best way is to work through the teachers, sure. the principals up to, to Paul, then to me, I hear more of those things than I thought I would hear. Sure. And I'm always willing to help, but I don't want to overstep my bounds because we're right. the vision you know, at the board level, whereas, you know, Paul on down, there's a kind of the chain of command of how it should work yeah. in the most. I don't want to overstep my bounds as a school board chair. Right. Here. But so. they just go, well, I know Shannon, so I'm going to send it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. And there, uh, look, his number's there. Yeah. Look at, yeah. Look at what's wrong with the school calendar. I get complaints about the school calendar, oh. which we just passed the next two years last night. So you can see those online. Check right it now. out yeah. ahead of time and, yeah. and look at so, it. All right. right. Any other final words from Paul here? No, that's, uh, I think we're off to a great start here in 2024. Okay. Really, some positive momentum. A lot. Our indicators are all moving in the right direction. Shannon's leadership. I'm so glad that he talked about his role as the chair. It's critical. Um, board chair leadership. Um, when it's there, it takes school districts to new levels. When it's not there, um, it things get bumpy pretty darn fast and we are really fortunate here in Mankato to have Shannon's leadership. Well I want to thank you we've been chatting with uh, Shannon Sinning who is the chair of the District 77 school board as well as Paul Peterson who is the superintendent of the Mankato area public schools. I want to thank you both for coming in and just kind of talking about what's happening in the district some of the concerns you have some of the great things going on and yeah, thank you guys. Thanks Appreciate so much, Gary. Yeah. It was fun. Okay. Take yeah. care. Well, I'm glad you had so much fun. You want to come back? <laughs> sure, definitely. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye bye. All right.